Welcome to the Q for Two, your podcast companion for learning all about your favorite theme park attractions. Whether listening at home or while waiting in the queue, we'll fill you in on all the information you need to get the most out of your ride experience. I'm your host, Ryan, and joining me as always is the Holly Jolly Matthew. Today, we're talking about the history and hidden secrets behind Holiday in the Park at Six Flags Over Georgia. Ho, 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 and a boo to you. Happy holidays, Ryan. Happy holidays, Matthew. It's our holiday special to tie us out of uh, the Six Flags season. How you feeling? I'm feeling merry and joyful. Excited to talk all about the parks with you today. I am excited to talk about this episode, and I've been excited about this one since we planned this season because I really enjoy the holiday season. I really enjoy theme parks that get into the holiday season. And while holidays in the park at Six Flags may not be my favorite holiday celebration at any theme park, it's one that I've really enjoyed. I've gone to a couple of different years, and it's, I think, the only holiday theme park experience that you and I have shared. That sounds right. So I am really looking forward to talking a little bit about the history and talking about our experiences together at Holiday in the Park. Heck yeah, don't keep me waiting. Let's go. Let's just jump right into some brief history. Now, Holiday in the Park is not something that is exclusive to Six Flags Over Georgia. I want to talk a little bit about the history of it in general, but for the purposes of keeping this episode at a reasonable length, We are going to be talking mostly about Holiday in the Park at Six Flags Over Georgia. Six Flags actually started Holiday in the Park at Six Flags Over Texas. Makes sense. Their first theme park. And they started it in 1985, running from late November to early January. And they included a variety of festivities in this first event, including holiday shows, ride overlays, merch, food, drinks and hundreds of thousands of Christmas lights. The event was really popular, and it expanded first to Six Flags Astro World in 1988. Next, it was picked up by none other than Six Flags Over Georgia, but they actually only did it initially for two years, starting in 1989 and continuing into 1990, but had discontinued the event until it was brought back in 2014, for that season in November. And I know in our last podcast, we actually talked about how 2014 was a pretty big year for Six Flags Over Georgia. For the summer season, they brought in Hurricane Harbor, and then for the winter season, they brought Holidays in the Park back. So they had a lot of press releases at that time. It was a big time for Six Flags Over Georgia. And for the viewers, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive and be a season pass holder at Six Flags. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when they brought the event back in 2014, they brought it back big. The event returned featuring over 1 million LED Christmas lights, the now iconic stained glass rejoice nativity scene, which is always present at Holiday in the Park now. That was the first year that they brought the North Pole Express light show that you could see from the train, and it was also the founding season for the holiday section of the park, Peppermint Plaza, over by Georgia Scorcher. 
Now, I don't know if you remember this, Matthew. For me, this was one of the most iconic sections of Holiday in the Park because the whole area was themed peppermint-wise. So you had the trees that had lights on them to make them colorful like candy canes. You have a neat little photo op with like two big peppermints and a frame that's made out of candy canes to take photos for holidays in the park. And then at the concession stand over there, you get peppermint funnel cake. What a well-rounded peppermint experience. I don't remember specifically, but I remember there being a bunch of lights and I don't like peppermint funnel cake. That sounds gross. I like funnel cake and I like peppermint. Combine the two, (laughs) I don't think I'm a fan. I've actually never had the peppermint funnel cake. I do remember being in the park and seeing it and thinking, wow, I would like to try that. And then I turned my head and I looked and I saw, wow, I really don't want to wait in line 40 (laughs) minutes for a peppermint funnel cake. Oh, yeah. So we let that one go. (laughs) Man, those Holiday in the Park food lines can be crazy. They can indeed. And I know we have some other food that we can discuss as we go through the episode talking about some of our favorites. But I kind of just wanted to kick it off with just kind of some opening things that were brought back that first season for 2014. Now, for all of our listeners that are other Six Flags Park goers, I do just want to run through really quick. As of this point in time, for the holiday season in 2023, there are several other parks that are doing holiday in the park. The Six Flags theme parks that offer holiday in the park include Six Flags Over Texas, Six Flags Over Georgia, Six Flags Fiesta Texas, Six Flags Discovery Kingdom, Six Flags Great Escape Lodge, Six Flags Mexico, Six Flags Magic Mountain, Six Flags Great Adventure, and last, but certainly not least, Six Flags St. Louis. If you are near any of those theme parks and want to experience a Holiday in the Park event, go check it out. It's a fun time. They likely are not going to have everything that we talk about in terms of details for Six Flags Over Georgia, but they likely are offering similar fun activities. Now, Matthew, before we close out the history section, the other kind of interesting thing I did want to note is that the format for Holiday in the Park has been pretty similar over the years. The exception to it has been there have been some other Six Flags theme parks that have incorporated drive-through experiences to be able to see light shows in a drive-through fashion. It wasn't just for this reason. There was another park that did this beforehand, but they started doing this for the most part during the COVID pandemic to have a way to still have a holiday in the park celebration while following social distancing guidelines. So I thought that was kind of a cool piece of history that Six Flags at large did, just not Six Flags over Georgia specifically. That's really neat. So when they drove through, was it just that they decorated the parking lot and had like big like scenes in the parking lot that they drove through? You know, when you think about the Six Flags theme parks, they generally have pretty wide paths that are like cement paths. From my understanding, some of the theme parks actually opened up part of the park for you to drive through part of the park and out another part of the park. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I think at the time, the park wasn't open for people to go through normally. Right. So everything else was closed off. And I think they got some of the like the gates to wall off the paths so you couldn't just drive into whatever part of the theme park you wanted. <laughs> and they basically just sold tickets offering it as a drive-through attraction, essentially. That's pretty neat. I thought it was neat. Neat piece of 
history in a not neat part of history time that we've (laughs) all lived through. So really, Matthew, that's all the history I had. I kind of just wanted to spend some time talking about some of the features of Holiday in the Park at Six Flags Over Georgia and reminiscing with you about our experiences going through some of these things. Before I just start cold calling things out, I really wanted to open the floor to you. When we went for our season or other times that you went that it wasn't us going together, what are some of the things that have really stuck out in your memories for Holiday at the Park? Yeah, for sure. And for me, it's also, it starts to blend in a little bit more. The most recent Holiday in the Park that I've been to was Williamsburg, Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. So there might be some overlap in my brain saying like, oh, this is definitely from Six Flags and not there. But you mentioned earlier the train. And for me, and this goes for any of the Holiday in the Parks that have this, if you're listening to this, and you think, oh, that's dumb. It's just a train. Go ride the train during holiday in the parks. They are always amazing. And it's nice to just be able to snuggle up next to the person that you're there with, especially if you've got your significant other there, and just enjoy your time. That goes for, you know, if they do anything for Halloween or any other events as well, but specifically during the Christmas season, during the holiday season, being able to see those Christmas lights and just get off your feet in this nice train for, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes, however long it is, I always enjoyed that. That was always one of my favorite parts to do while you're there. Absolutely. The train is a fun time. I feel like any theme park that does a holiday experience, if they have a train, they're going to have some sort of holiday theming around the train. I think Six Flags does it pretty well. And I heard this year they actually upped the experience too. They are now re-theming it as the Holiday Express. And they're kind of pushing it more as like a sing-along train now. So they're playing a lot of holiday music on the train. And my understanding is encouraging people to sing along with the songs while they're on the train, which I've had similar experiences with that at other parks too. That's kind of a big staple of if you've ever been to Silver Dollar City out in Branson, Missouri, their holiday train, they do a very similar kind of sing-along thing. But yeah, I think that's definitely a big feature of holiday in the park to go check out for sure and the other part of it and this isn't really holiday as much but it is the roller coasters just going to give you a warning if you've never been the whole park's not open they have large sections of the park shut off i think i was looking at the map for this year at six flags and pretty much the entire lick skillet or superman all that stuff back there is all closed off so don't expect to go and ride every ride as if it was a normal summer day But a lot of the coasters, a lot of the stuff is open for definite parts of the day. And that's always a fun for me. It's obviously cold, you know, depending on the weather. And those rides, if it's cold, you will get blasted with cold, sometimes icy air, you know, when you go. But for me, it makes it for a more interesting experience. It comes for the different experience riding a coaster that you're used to riding in 100 degree heat and then riding it in 30 degree, 40, 50 degree weather. Fun time. An overall, really good way to spend your day waiting on the sun to go down before you can start looking at the Christmas lights. I agree 100%. And I think it's really important that you brought up that this is not a normal operating park event in terms of the rides. Because I think the first time I went with you, I think you kind of prepped me that that was going to be the situation because otherwise I would have been taken really off guard. Before I go into this, Matthew, I'll just give you the heads up. 
this was not something I remembered off the top of my head. I don't know if you remember when we went to Holiday in the Park, I actually vlogged that day. So there is a vlog video on one of my other YouTube channels that I'll link in the show description if y'all are interested (laughs) in seeing it. A majority of the video is actually doing a little game with jelly beans being boozled. That Was that that trip? Oh, goodness. For some reason, my brain said that was Halloween, but that makes sense. That was the, I remember it now, that was a lot colder. Yeah, we specifically went there on December 16th, 2017. They had the little bean boozled station in the park, and then as chance would have it, y'all had more of them at home. So we kind of had that be the transitioning clip going from Six Flags to do the rest of the video. But when I was going back and reflecting on that experience, I vlogged that they had actually closed Batman, Acrophobia, Great American Scream Machine, and Blue Hawk. I think the only things that we actually got to ride that day, we rode Superman Ultimate Flight, and we rode that, I think, three times is what I said (laughs) in the video. We rode the Mindbender, And that was also the trip that we rode the Riverview carousel to. And we did some of the pictures and video clips on the carousel, which this is another foreshadowing for (laughs) my carousel episode that's totally coming in the future. So not going to drop too much carousel knowledge on us now. Got to keep that close to the chest until we get that episode. Goodness, nothing more fun than a bunch of college students just riding the carousel. Nothing more fun (laughs) than us just not causing a ruckus, not being annoying, but just being our obnoxious selves to each other, riding the carousel, getting as much fun of it as we uh, ever could. You were very adamant that you wanted to find the derpiest horse on the carousel and ride that one. And if I remember, I think I did it. I think I won. You found a pretty derpy horse. (laughs) If y'all are interested in seeing that horse, you can check out the vlog or... If you want to go, I don't know if you can do this on Instagram, go back into our archives of posts, which I'm actually going to reveal this now. Matthew, I don't even know if you ever caught it because it was pretty early in the account history. I did a birthday post for you and I used that photo. <laughs> oh, goodness. You know, I don't get on social medias that much. But that's funny. <laughs> oh, I know. That was the funniest part to me. I think we only had like four followers at the time. And so I just threw that up there and I was like, this will be a little secret between me and me. <laughs> All right, I'll have to go back and see if I can scroll through it all. That's funny. No, Matthew, I think you brought some pretty big, influential parts of Holiday in the Park. I do want to run through some other big parts of the event. Some of these are newer than others. I do want to talk about some that we haven't maybe experienced as much and some that I know that we definitely experienced on our trip together. So if you are planning a trip to Six Flags Holiday in the Park, these are some things that you're probably going to want to keep on your radar to think about doing while you are there. One of the events that is a staple of any holiday event at any theme park, you're probably going to have a Christmas tree. It's probably going to be part of the park, and there's probably going to be one that's bigger than all the others. And with the bigger tree, you're probably going to have a tree lighting ceremony that you do at night when you turn the lights on. Six Flags Over Georgia is no exception. They do have a tree lighting ceremony. Actually, most recently, I think it's called the Grand Fur Lighting Spectacular. But they did the tree lighting when we were there. And I know for a fact that we attended it because I have video proof of them lighting the tree. (laughs) And I will say I hadn't remembered that quite as much, but they kind of make a little musical celebration out of it. There's a guy that's like narrating. I think he tells kind of a short little Christmas story. There's Christmas music, and then they do the light show with the tree. 
I think if you have the time to stop by and do it, it's worth doing and it's a fun time to check out. Yeah, I think it's definitely something. Those events, like little shows that they put on, especially during the holiday season, for me are the main reason that you go. You know, you go to ride the rides we just talked about, but you can do that in the summer. You can do that outside of the holiday season. Again, do those while you are there, but I think definitely take the time to look at those lights and go to those like shows and festivals and stuff. Because there's some really, really talented people, whether it's singing, voice narrating, you know, whatever they do, and they put on a very good show. Absolutely. And honestly, you gave me the perfect segue into the next thing that I think you should look out for. Six Flags does have holiday shows during this event. In addition to the tree lighting ceremony, if you go over to the Crystal Pistol Music Hall over near the Peachtree Piedmont section of the park, they do have holiday performances in that music hall. Now, the holiday performances seem to change year to year. I haven't seen the same performance continued on through the years quite as much, but that kind of gives you something new to look forward to every time you go to holidays in the park. I'll be honest, not only have I not attended any of those shows, I didn't even know that the big building was a music hall. <laughs> and I've been wondering what that building was used for for quite a while. And so that's it. Where did you say the music hall was? So it's right over by Peachtree Street. It's like on the other side of the hill from Acrophobia. You know, like the hill with the carousel on top? Yeah. Acrophobia is on one side. On the complete opposite side is the music hall. It's actually right under where the sky buckets used to run. I don't know why my brain is having trouble. It's an actual building. It looks like a big plantation style mansion. Hmm. No, it's not ringing a bell. No. So you bring that up. I don't think. And again, I don't think I did. So we're saying things what you should go do. And then we obviously didn't do them. I was a dumb young college student the last time that we went. But I would say, no, I can't think of a time that we actually did. And that building doesn't even really ring a bell. So, yeah, I must have just missed it. To be fair, I don't really feel like Six Flags is up in your face advertising about the shows, and I feel like it's not something that a lot of people are talking about. From what I've seen online, the shows look like they're really fun. They look really great. It looks like it's a good family experience, so I would say definitely have that on your radar and look into it. I think it would be worth your time checking it out. Again, as Matthew said, we haven't experienced it firsthand, but I'm kind of disappointed that we missed out on that experience, so I think it's good to have on your radar and know about. One of the other things that I found really interesting looking into this, and I was interested to see what you could remember about this, Matthew, there are special character meet and greets for Holiday in the Park at Six Flags Over Georgia. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, this is a new thing. We haven't done this before. We actually ran into one when we were there. And I'm wondering if you can remember who it was. So I know I remember us having a picture with Tweety Bird, but that wasn't Holiday in the Park. I remember that being a picture that we had. I think that was actually in the summer. Yeah. I want to say Tweety Bird was actually in like 4th of July gear or something. I think it was somewhere around then that we had that character meet and greet. That sounds right, because I remember we were all in shorts. It was definitely not. <laughs> it wasn't Holiday. Uh huh. I'm trying to think what it would have been. Nothing's coming to mind, though. So there's kind of two categories of characters that you can meet in the park. Well, I guess technically three. 
The first category is using one of their IPs. It's the Looney Tunes family. And so we were talking about we've met some of the Looney Tunes character in the park before. And that was actually one of the ones that we met for Holiday in the Park. It's one that I have never seen in the park other than the one time that we were there. It's actually Canine, the alien dog companion to Marvin the Martian. Oh, goodness. I forgot about that. You just unlocked that. (laughs) I remember that now. That's wow. I didn't even remember. We were walking by and we saw him taking a photo with a little kid and there was no lion to see him. And I was like, (laughs) I'm running over there and getting a video clip for the vlog and I'm taking a photo. (laughs) And so I was watching the vlog and I saw that clip and I was like, oh my gosh, that was at Holiday in the Park. Wow. (laughs) Now, was that over there near like Monster Mansion and Acrophobia in that side of the park over by the like Looney Tunes, like kids space? Is that where that was? It was. It was right in front of the Acme section of the park. And I think that's where they have continued to do their meet and greets now. The characters that are active now in the park, you can have a meetup with Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. Both of them are wearing holiday scarves. They sometimes do meet and greets at the very front of the park, sometimes back at the Acme section. But it's neat to see that some of those characters are still there. And apparently we had a pretty rare Looney Tunes character encounter while we were there, which was interesting. So that's kind of the first bucket of characters. The second bucket of characters is actually dipping into Monster Mansion, or as they'll call it in the holiday season, Mistletoe Mansion. Oh. Now, from what I can tell, this is relatively new, but for the 2023 season, at least, you can actually go at certain times and meet Billy Bob Fritter and Mizzy Scarlet in person and take a photo with them. And they have a fun little like holiday sign behind them, too, for you to get your neat keepsake photo. That is neat. Again, not a real big IP, but that's a cool use of what they do have. That's really neat. I'm bummed, man. I want a photo with Billy Bob Fritter. Oh, yeah. Under the mistletoe. (laughs) Under the mistletoe at Mistletoe Mansion. (laughs) And I'll go ahead and foreshadow, there's actually a reason it's called Mistletoe Mansion and something neat about when they added that to the park that we'll talk about here in a little while. But the third category characters that you can meet in the park are... Christmas characters. You can meet Santa, you can meet Mrs. Claus, you can meet some of the elves, and this ties into a section that's more oriented towards families with kids. I know I have personally never participated in this section. I don't know if you have any memories from when you were a kid, Matthew, but they do have a section called the North Pole over at Peachtree Plaza. They have a lot of activities for kids, including writing letters to Santa. You can actually get a stamp saying that you're on the nice list, if you've been nice, of course, (laughs) and then talk with the elves at the North Pole Post Office and mail your letter directly to Santa. You can also go meet Santa, get a picture with him. You can have story time with Mrs. Claus. There is a North Pole playground with crafts and reindeer games, and there's even a little peppermint forest that you can even go pick your own candy cane off of one of the peppermint trees. I definitely don't remember going there, but I've got to call out something that I think is doesn't make any sense. If you're going to write a list to Santa and write him a letter, why mail it if you're going to meet him five minutes later? Why not just hand it straight to the big guy? That's a good point. And they do shuffle you through the post office first, so they make it so you don't think about it. You just got to mail it. It's probably because the big guy can't keep all those papers in his pocket, so they're trying to file it for him so he can get to it later. 
I don't know, man. I just don't know. <laughs> but this section is kind of fun for kids. I do remember when we were there, there was actually a table out that they were passing out stationery to write your letter. And then we're kind of directing you to the section where everything else was. We did not stop to write a letter, but I almost kind of wish we did because the holiday in the park stationery for writing a letter to Santa is kind of cool. And I kind of would have liked to have some. So what would your letter be? Um, dear Santa, this is Ryan, co-host of Q for Two. I hope you bring our podcast all the holiday cheer and the holiday cheer to all of our listeners around the world. Love, Ryan. That's real sweet. My letter would just be T. T? Yeah, my letter. Is that your favorite letter of the alphabet? Of course. T. I've got two of them in my name. That's true. You do have two of them in your name. Anyway, back to the theme park. Enough with the dumb jokes. Let's go. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you think that was funny? Did you want me to laugh at that joke? Nope. That's why we're moving on. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) Just a couple other things I did want to talk about. There is another kids attraction over in the back section of the park next to Pandemonium. There's kind of a little go-kart track over there. And during the holiday season, they'll close down the go-karts and they'll have it be a fun little festive sleigh ride with some other little holiday decorations around the track. Haven't done this. I also walked by and I remember taking a look at it the last time I was there for the 2022 season. This doesn't have much to offer for adults. I think this would be a fun thing to go with your young kids and have your little sleigh ride. If you're not there with young kids, uh, you can pretty safely skip this, and that is totally fine. I didn't even realize those go-karts were still over there. I know where you're talking about. I didn't even know those are still going, so skip. I was surprised they were still there, too, when they opened Pandemonium, but yeah, they still have the track over there, and uh, they do that for the holiday season. Huh. Okay. The other thing that's kind of right back there on the other side of Pandemonium, sometimes they'll open up a little holiday market with like kind of fancier or different types of goods that aren't native to the Six Flags Park. It's worth killing 15 minutes there and looking around. The last time I was there, there wasn't anything in particular that I bought. But if you were into fancy soaps and herbal mixes and there was some neat wood carving stuff when we were there, too some neat little handmade goods. It just wasn't anything that particularly spoke to me, but they do have a little holiday shop over there that might be worth checking out as well. Neat. And then before we completely get out of the peach tree section of the park, you know, of course there's a lot of lights and there's a lot of neat festive decorations with the lights. One of my favorites is the lights that they have over in the peach tree section of the park, because this is very Georgia specific there are a lot of peach lights on all the lampposts, which are, I think, a really neat touch and one of my favorite light additions to the park. Yeah, we love non-generic specific lights. It's not just ornaments. It's actually something specific to that park. really helps it stand out if you go to multiple different themed parks. So cool little addition. A hundred percent. Some other just neat little additions decoration-wise One of my favorites is always the tinsel tree that they do over a daredevil dive. You know, daredevil dives pretty tall. They always put kind of like a tinsel star at the top, and then they run trails of tinsel all the way down to the ground to make a neat little tree. And I got a good picture of it the last time we were there. We'll put it up on our Instagram for you to see. Matthew, is this something that you remember and that left an impression on you as well? 
I didn't until you mentioned it, but yeah, I definitely can picture the tinsel tree as being part of that. Cause again, that is one of the sections that is open, at least from it's, it's central to the, where the park is, you know, everything that's around there. So I definitely remember that being a big staple, a big decoration to see while we were there. Absolutely. The other thing that I wanted to talk about too, a couple of things that were newer, either around 2022 or specifically new in 2022 when Amanda and I went, there was a new show that they added. The only reason I bring this up is because I do specifically remember walking by the show while it was happening and being so deeply confused what on earth was going on. The show is called Gator Claws, and it's a puppet show with a gator in a Santa outfit that has like a little show in his, quote, swamp shack in the bayou where he's preparing <laughs> for the holidays with his friends. The tagline for the show is tis the season to be grouchy and grouchy is with a capital G because I guess his name is Grouchy Gator. And it's it's really weird. But I remember walking by and just thinking that is bonkers. And that is such a weird little holiday in the park thing. Y'all should check it out if they're still doing it because it's it's a weird time. Man, we love weird little things like that. There's some things I wish we had done, but I don't know if that's one of them. It sounds weird. <laughs> I uh, I watched it for a solid three minutes and then we continued on our way. But hey, I saw Grouchy Gator and I remember it. So I'm talking about it here. I did also want to mention with ride overlays, we talked about the train. There is one other ride that does have a specific holiday overlay at Six Flags that we actually haven't talked about this ride this season at all. It is over in kind of the kids section of the park with the carousel, and that is the Hanson ride. They actually retheme it to, they call it Mr. Snow's Holiday Lesson. It's essentially a bunch of little billboards going along the track telling a story of a teacher celebrating the diversity of his students at school with holidays around the world, including representation of Diwali, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, and Las Posadas, which I thought was a neat thing that Six Flags does make the effort to be a little bit more inclusive in their holiday in the park event. And just kind of wanted to mention that here that if you have the time, the Hanson ride is a fun thing to do once and drive your little car, and then you can get the added benefit of reading the billboards while you drive your little car. That's funny. I never realized that that was like an overlay that they did. I enjoy the Hanson cars. It's got a lot of nostalgia for me. It's not much going on there, <laughs> but to add that overlay, that's a cool little feature. Something good to do. That's interesting. I think as a kid that ride would slap because it's a gas powered car. And so if you can get behind the wheel as a kid and like basically drive your first car, I mean, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. It is until you slam the wheel into like the walls of the track over and over and over again. I've seen a lot of kids basically pinball back and forth. It hurts me to watch that these kids are going to be on a road one day. <laughs> oh, that's where we differ, my friend. That's the fun part. You got a pinball on the Hanson ride. Oh, goodness. <laughs> One of the last things I want to bring up, and this is something else I learned in the 2022 season. Matthew, have you ever heard of the Blue Ridge VIP igloos for a VIP holiday in the park experience? Nope. This was the first time I had ever seen them. 
And I remember being in the park and seeing these igloos and thinking, what the heck is that? I've never seen that before. So I took a photo and I looked it up. I want to just read the description for the Blue Ridge VIP igloos. You can purchase an igloo at your visit to Holiday in the Park for $200. And this is what $200 is going to get you. Indulge in a VIP experience for up to six guests inside your very own heated igloo, complete with a family-style meal, sparkling cider, unlimited hot chocolate, holiday sweets, specialty menu for food or adult beverages purchase, VIP show seating, concierge, and more. Operational 3 p.m. to park close, bought and sold on a first-come, first-served basis. And you said all that for $200? All that for $200. Man. Now, I will say that it sounds like the specialty menu with the extra food and adult beverages, that's something that you have access to that you can purchase additionally. Right. But the family-style meal, the bottomless hot chocolate, VIP seating for a show, concierge that helps you arrange stuff for your stay there. Honestly, if you're going with a group of six people and can split that cost between y'all, it's really not that bad. Yeah, it definitely doesn't sound that bad. Don't get me wrong. $200 is a lot of money. It's a lot of money on top of whatever else you're spending for tickets, parking, food, the rest of the day, that sort of thing. Yes. But for an experience like that, that actually sounds like a lot of fun. Like you said, if you've got a group of people that you're splitting that with, or even if you've got a, you know, a couple kids, I think that would be a fun experience that they would remember for a while. Honestly, if you split that between six people, as long as you're thirsty for hot chocolate, you eat your meal and you attend a show and get the VIP seating, I think it's really worth the price. It's got a lot rolled in there. I think where the barrier is, if it is if you're one or two people going, I don't see that being worth it. But if you're planning to go with a group, I think that would be something worth looking into if you're willing to spend a little extra money to have that VIP experience. For sure. And I would have to see the menu before I say whether it's worth it. Because if I'm getting $200 worth of hot dogs and chips as my meal, might not be as worth it unless, you know, if they were giving me like pot roast and <laughs> something much better. And Matthew, you are 100% right. And I'm so glad that you brought up the food because I think that's the thing that we're really missing right now. We have not talked about the food at Holiday in the Park other than the peppermint funnel cake. Gross. I kind of wanted to open the floor to you because I know for me, there's some foods that stand out in my memory from Holiday in the Park. What are your memories of? drinks, foods, anything else that we got at Holiday in the Park. So again, everything starts to blend together. Obviously, I'm a funnel cake boy. I love funnel cakes. Sometimes places will do fancy funnel cakes. Again, not a peppermint funnel cake, but for example, went to Bush Gardens. They had a like a red and green Christmassy funnel cake, that sort of thing. So I don't remember anything getting a lot of stuff while we were there. I'm also a big hot chocolate guy, so I love getting hot chocolates at the theme parks. I don't know if Six Flags does it, but for example, if you look when you go, Bush Gardens, they had a all-you-could-drink-for-that-night hot chocolate cup. It's a little bit more expensive, but you could fill it up as many times as you wanted. Before you dive in, though, I have to say, because I don't know if we'll ever get to it again, if they offer peanut butter hot chocolate, this is something I got at Williamsburg, uh, Bush Gardens. I love Reese's. I love peanut butter and chocolate. That was one of the grossest drinks <laughs> I've ever had in my life. The peanut butter was 
melty until it wasn't. And at the end of the day, there was just a chunk of wet peanut butter at the bottom of the cup. And it was disgusting. Nice. Doesn't have anything to do with Six Flags over Georgia. But I have to put this out there as a warning to my fellow chocolate peanut butter lovers. Probably want to steer clear from the peanut butter hot chocolate. That's when you got to get your tongue in the bottom of that cup like a dog and lick all that peanut butter out. Oh, that was like my third glass of hot chocolate, too, as we were leaving the park. And I was just miserable. I was like, this is too thick. It's too much. And I was not having a good time. What a bummer. But (laughs) on an upper note, Six Flags does offer a bottomless hot chocolate. You can get a holiday souvenir mug, fill up your hot chocolate the rest of the night. Honestly, this is some of the better hot chocolate I've had in my life. Six Flags does a really good basic hot chocolate. And I had mentioned earlier in the season when we were talking about Macho Nacho, that's actually where I bought my holiday cup and I used it with that class action lawsuit settlement money that they sent for the voucher, (laughs) got my free hot chocolate cup and we got it in like the last hour and a half we were in the park or something. And you know, I stopped to fill that sucker up four different times. Oh yeah. (laughs) Got some good tasty hot chocolate. It is worth mentioning they do a couple of other special holiday drinks as well. The one that I was really gunning for when we were there, and unfortunately they ran out by the time I was trying to get it, is the Root Deer Fizz. Oh. So this is a classic Barks root beer mixed with cookie butter syrup and served in a festive cup. It's topped with whipped cream, a mini candy cane, and a red cherry. It is $8.99, or you can add $2 more and spike it with a shot of bourbon for your little adult beverage. This is something that I thought is either going to taste great, or it's going to make me deeply uncomfortable. And I didn't get the chance to figure out which. So if you get the chance to go and figure it out, leave us a comment, let me know, because I'm really curious and I want to know what it's like. It'll forever be the best drink in the park. Have you tried it? No. But seeing that we haven't tried it and it's bad, it will forever be the best drink in the park. Mm, True. (laughs) They did actually add a new drink sometime recently that comes in a neat little Christmas light cup. Like the cup is shaped like a light that would be on a Christmas tree. It's called Holly Berry Lemonade. It's just simply lemonade mixed with cranberry and cinnamon flavors. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about cinnamon in my lemonade. That makes me a little uncomfy. But that's another holiday beverage that you can get in the park. Yeah, no, I'm not a big cinnamon guy, not a big cranberry guy either. I will also say you bring up the like shaped cups. Just a warning. Be careful. A lot of times they'll sell you those cups. The cups are not very big and they look cool and they're like neat and all. But most of the time you're going to end up junking them when you get home anyway. And if you end up spending $10, $15 on these cups and then you realize they hold like less than a small drink would normally hold. Just be be wary on how some of these designs are when it, when it comes to cups. Or you can be a weird fanatic like me and still own every single souvenir cup you've ever purchased in a theme park. Very true. So depending on what type of person you are, that can kind of guide your decision <laughs> of if you're going to purchase one of those cups or not. That being said, we've talked about drinks. Just to run through a couple of food options really quick, if you're looking for something kind of funky for a food option while you're in the park, you can go check out JB's Sports Bar and Grill and get yourself a holiday burger. It's a turkey burger topped with stuffing, cranberry sauce, and gravy. Or you can head on over to Hometown Treats, get yourself a fried PB&J sandwich. That sounds tasty. 
Now, while those are foods that I have not tried, I wouldn't be right if I didn't bring us around to the most important food in the park. Matthew, what dining establishment have we been talking about all season long? Nacho de la Macho. No, I'm talking about Mrs. Claus's Kitchen. Oh, no. Which, if you don't know, is the holiday (laughs) re-theme of Macho Nacho. So in our vlog, it shows us going into Mrs. Claus's kitchen, and then we get a plate of nachos, and I do the snap transition eating it. And I'm like, wait, but that's Mrs. Claus's kitchen, not Macho Nacho. And then I had to like cross-reference the frames of the building. I forgot they do a lot of re-themes for their restaurant and like put up a different sign over their main sign and name it something else. But yeah, Macho Nacho becomes Mrs. Claus's Kitchen. Go get yourself the best meal you can get in the Six Flags theme park. It's not holiday themed, but it's good. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Matthew, we've talked about important experiences in the park that come and go each season, some that we've experienced and some that we haven't. I do want to close us out with a very unique experience or a couple of very unique experiences that were only present one year each. And what I'm going to talk about, and I wonder if you remember, because we were there for one of these events, Six Flags Over Georgia, Holiday in the Park, is a world record-setting event, multiple times running. Their first two world records were pretty similar. They set out to set their first world record in 2015, specifically on December 12th, 2015. They were going to set the world record for the most people kissing under the mistletoe. They got 201 couples, or 402 people, joining hands, kissing for at least 10 seconds under the romantic sprigs of live mistletoe from mistletoe.com to set the world record in the all-new, you've waited for it, Mistletoe Mansion section of the park. So this world record setting was a big stunt to open up the Mistletoe Mansion. And this was an event that was sponsored by Dentech. Now, their next world record was in 2016, where they set the record for most couples kissing under the mistletoe. But this was in conjunction with a few other Six Flags parks, from what I read. Is that something that you remember at all, Matthew? Those weren't the years that we were in the park, but is that ever anything that you heard about? Not a clue. It makes me wonder about logistics. If couples start breaking up and kissing other couples, does that count as double couples? You know, I don't know. That's a rabbit hole I'm not ready to go down. So they had official world record representatives there watching these people kiss to make sure that it was legit and that all the couples were sectioned up and they did the tally and made the world record, which is kind of weird. Romantic. <laughs> no, romantic's the word that you're looking for. Right, it's, it's romantic, because there's nothing like kissing your sweetheart and having some dude with a clipboard staring right at you. With a timer, too, because they have to make sure you're kissing long enough. Wow. That's true. That's true. It really sets the mood. The reason I feel like you don't hear of this one that much, this record has since been broken several times. Times. Tracks. <laughs> and I kind of want both of them together because it gets a little unclear kind of which one is which because technically the most couples kissing 
beats the record for the most people kissing, but it should be the same record, and I get lost of where one ends and where the other begins. Anyway, from what I could tell by my research, the title went to the Gaylord Palms Resort in Orlando in 2017 with 448 couples, and then the Anheuser-Busch plant in Merrimack, New Hampshire in 2019 with a total of 896 couples. Actually, currently, while we're recording this podcast, there is a charity organization for the North Texas Food Bank called Jingle Bell Mistletoe that's attempting to try to get enough people together to break the world record in Clyde Warren Park in Texas. Now, I don't know that they're going to make it, but I just thought that was neat that there is actively a group going right now trying to take the title again. So Six Flags has had this out of their hands pretty quick after they made the world record. Goodness. They probably invented the world record for this and people realized how easy it sounds. If you have people, you could break the record. You just get all your people together. Everybody starts making out and there you go. It's, <laughs> you, got, you got your record. There is one other world record that Six Flags Over Georgia set for Holiday in the Park. And this happened on, wow, December 16th, 2017. There was a specific reason that we went to the park on this day, Matthew, and it was for this event. Do you remember what it was? Absolutely no idea. This is possibly the most ridiculous world record I've ever heard of in my entire life, but it's a world record. The record is for the most pickle ornaments on Christmas trees in one place at one time. (laughs) Oh, I remember now. Oh, man. I can see the light coming to your eyes. You remember uh, you remember the pickles, the green tinted light coming to my eyes. Yes, I remember now. So they got together a total of 500 park goers, and they were each given their own Christmas pickle ornament courtesy of Pier 1 Imports. They had several little Christmas trees lined up right at the entrance, also from Pier 1 Imports, and they set the world record for the most Christmas pickle ornaments. Initially, it was like a lot of places were reporting, ah, according to Six Flags, But it was actually confirmed by the World Record Academy that this was indeed a world record. The park goers placed all the ornaments on the trees. They had a little like plush snowball fight afterwards, and it was a whole thing. But Matthew, we weren't among those 500 that placed the ornaments. We were not. We couldn't get in the doors fast enough. We couldn't be part of that initial group that was waiting outside. We got there a little late. So we walked right by the pickles. We were right there at the park on that historic day, but we were not pickle placers ourselves. I'm trying to remember whose fault it was. You know, I'm not great on car trips from having to stop to go to the bathroom perspective. You're not a morning person. I think we both just take the blame on that one. One of us was the reason we couldn't get there. (laughs) Now, the thing is, I will say the vlog tells it. We stopped at Taco Bell on the way there and we didn't eat in the car. We ate in the restaurant. Look, I'm never going to regret a meal at Taco Bell. I don't I think if I had to do it over again, I would still go to Taco Bell for breakfast, but I think that was probably a factor in us getting there a little bit late. That must have been it. We we must have thought that we there's no way we wouldn't be there early enough and we misjudged it. Oh well. So, unfortunately, we missed out on that one, but it was cool to be there in the park right there in the front for that world record setting occasion. 
Well, Matthew, that is all I have to talk about for Holiday in the Park at Six Flags Over Georgia. Any other closing thoughts you want to share with our listeners today? Nothing specific to the holidays at the park. Like I said, it's a great event to go, especially if you are a season pass holder. A lot of times, you know, depending on your level of season pass, they'll include it. Sometimes they'll have blackout dates, just depending, that sort of thing. But it's always a fun time to go, especially, you know, later in the day, do something in the morning and then go later in the day. So do not skip out on it. Go enjoy the rides. But then also, like we said, enjoy the shows, enjoy the food, enjoy just spending time with the people that you go with, looking at the lights, all sorts of things. And that's pretty much all I've got. And bring your phone, bring your camera. There are tons of photo ops in the park. They set up a lot of different screens, different backdrops for holidays in the park. There's a lot of character meet and greets. There are a ton of nice holiday photo opportunities. So make sure you enjoy your time. Take your time. Take those photos. Enjoy. For sure. Real quick, Matthew, before you get us out of here, I do want to give you the floor as this is our last episode of season two. We will be taking a little hiatus before we start season three, but I wanted to give you the floor to talk with our listeners and kind of let them know what they can expect in season three of the podcast. For sure. I appreciate it. Like you said, we will be on a hiatus. We don't know when we'll be back. We will be back sometime in 2024. So make sure to subscribe to those channels, whether it's on you know Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen, so that you can be notified when we go with the next season. But the next season, we will be back at Disney at Hollywood Studios. So we've already got a list of, obviously we're not going to hit every ride like we always say, but we've got a list of really good rides at Hollywood Studios that we are both very excited to jump back into. So again, if that sounds something that's up your alley, feel free to drop that like, subscribe, all that just you know classic stuff. And uh, we'd love to see you back next season. Absolutely. We hope that you'll join us for our discussion on some of these rides in Hollywood Studios. This is one of my favorite theme parks of all time with some of my favorite rides of all time. And there is some great rich history to cover with some of these rides. I will also say if you in this interim while we are not on the podcast, if you are just itching to get your theme park content, you can still get it at Q for two. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. We will continue to release ride videos and other experience videos weekly in the interim. So be sure to go over, check out the YouTube channel. There will be no gap in content there. We're just going to take a little break from the podcast. And like Matthew said, we will be back in 2024. Well, that event sure was a blast. We hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new about this yearly festival. As always, we'd love to hear your experiences at the park or any fun facts you have. Feel free to join our Discord server and join the conversation or shout at us on Twitter or Instagram at q for 2 That's Q-U-E-U-E underscore F-O-R underscore T-W-O. You can also drop a comment on our YouTube channel. All those links can be found in the episode description below. Now, go celebrate those holidays and we'll see you in the next q for 2 Have a holly, jolly holiday in the park.